A world exists beyond that mundane little life that you live in. A world where intelligence is worshipped and pilots are God. A world filled with biotechnology that can save lives or end them. A war is brewing beneath the surface of everything you understand to be real. Ours is a tale of revenge, love, and desperate ambition. Will you come with us? I see you standing there Straight in an arrogant sweat I wouldn't give to you Welcome to episode 9 of Interface, the creator's champion. We're your hosts, Ellie Popov and Charles Jazz Terrier. Low listener, what are we waiting for? Tango waves around your neck will hang you out to dry. Tango waves around your neck will hang you out to dry. Here's a day we all have come to dread And now it's here you pray for death Or something sweeter in release I watch you slowly bite like this for years We can't go down like this One more kiss before you go drove steadily up the winding dirt road through the large field of grapevines, creeping ever closer to the impressive winery at the peak of the hill. Frey sat in the back of the van with Jasper, two of them half-dressed, and rummaging through a pile of more presentable clothes between them that spilled out from a couple of duffel bags on the floor. Across from Frey, Jasper yanked on a pair of black cargo pants, squirming ungracefully to pull them over his waist. After he buckled the front, Jasper bent to don a pair of black docks. Frey's own clothing mirrored Jasper's, and she unbashedly wiggled her own pants up over her hips and buckled them at the waist before lacing her shoes. Almost in unison, Frey and Jasper pulled matching black tank tops with hexagonal emblem imprinted upon the left breast over their heads, smoothing the fabric down over their torsos. Frey and Jasper were both now dressed in the base uniform of a field member of the Armed Forces Organization. The fabric adorning their bodies comforted Frey as much as it gave her anxiety. Prior to Frey entering the interface bid, she'd worn this uniform or similar for years, but since the commencement of the circuit games, the uniform had been sporadic. Frey only clothed herself in it now when duty called, like today, when she and Jasper had come to meet with Julian face to face. Julian had insisted the meeting take place at Sirame Winery, 
an elite location with an award-winning winery and restaurant. For as long as Frey had known Julian, and that was some time considering he had watched her over the years since she was a child, Julian had never lowered himself to join the masses of the average. Everything must be constructed and experienced at the highest levels of perfection, or else it was a waste of Julian's time. She knew, though, far back into Julian's days as a young man, that he hadn't always been so wealthy, so elitist. Julian had risen in life through sheer talent, determination, and discipline. Frey had taken after Julian in those regards, except, of course, for the elitist bullshit. The van slowed as it pulled up to the winery's entrance, and Jasper, who was closest to the door, slid it back and stepped out of the vehicle, his shoes thudding on the stone pavement of the driveway under his feet. Frey turned to Isaiah, seated on the driver's side, and gave him a lingering glance, which Isaiah returned with a serene smile, calming Frey's insides. That simple, extraordinary expression from Isaiah reminded Frey what was at stake, and why this would be all worth it one day. Beside Isaiah in the passenger seat was Fergus, who tinkered with the broken corpse of a drone. Julian's, they'd suspected, when they found it rattling around in the back corner of the van. It was just like that man to always have eyes on them. Julian never trusted anybody, not truly, despite his spying methods. Frey knew that Julian would be pissed off if he figured out that one of his precious drones had been damaged. Thus, Fergus had to set himself to the task of repairing the annoying spyware. Do you think it's salvageable? Frey asked as she inched towards the van's exit. Fergus had a tea towel spread out over his lap. The drone was in what looked like to be a hundred pieces on top. If she had been Fergus, Frey would have just been frustrated as hell at the puzzle before her. But Fergus just smiled pleasantly, looking as happy and as exquisitely calm in the Queensland sunshine streaming in through the glass of the window shield. It's not possible. Frey nodded back at Fergus. Their in-house tech master would do the best that he could. And in the meantime, if Julian should bring the missing drone up, she'd wing it. Frey stepped out of the van and slid the door closed behind her joining Jasper by the large, arched glass doors at the winery's grand entrance. Without looking back, Frey heard a hum of the van as Isaiah pulled away and drove off to park up somewhere out of the way. Slightly ahead of Frey, Jasper held open one of the glass doors for her to enter, and as she stepped past him, she couldn't mistake the light sheen of sweat gathering in Jasper's T-zone. She quirked a smile. Looking a little nervous there, Jasper. Jasper's throat bobbed as he swallowed down a growl. Shut up. Jasper moved through the entrance at first, letting the glass doors drift closed behind him. He stepped in front of Frey, taking the lead in their little party. Frey let him. She knew that Jasper was trying to gather himself, putting on an appearance of power in anticipation of the meeting with Julian. Frey also had to admit to herself, now that she was here, she was in no significant hurry to see Julian either. Her relationship with Julian had always been a tumultuous one. Julian had found Frey in some Eastern European orphanage as a child, though he'd never been very clear on the details. Instead, he'd told her that Frey's true life had started with her adoption, with her education and with her integration into the AFO. And under Julian's guardianship, Frey could not deny that she had thrived. Julian had not been a warm or nurturing man to her, 
even though Freya supposed he had been the closest thing to a father figure she'd had. She couldn't remember a single time he'd ever coddled her. He'd never picked her up from a tumble or a scraped knee, never told her that he loved her, and Freya had never felt that she had missed these things. Not long after the adoption, Julian had whisked Frey off to a boarding school in the United Kingdom and only allowed her home during the Christmas break. And home had always been Julian's personal lodgings inside the headquarters of the Armed Forces Organization. Julian had showed Frey affection in the only way he'd known how. He turned her into a scientist and a soldier. Even better for him that as she grew from a child into womanhood, she had repaid the debt of his guardianship by becoming a useful tool. His useful tool. Together, Frey and Jasper strode through the paved brick corridor, lined with winery information, and relics exhibited underneath glass cubes juxtaposed with oversized cedar barrels, until they reached the mouth of the restaurant, guarded by a young, pretty, twenty-something blonde hostess, who offered them a smile. Frey watched Jasper coyly as he looked to the woman up and down, from the tips of her black stiletto heels to the top of her golden mane. You're here, the hostess addressed both Jasper and Frey brightly, paying no mind to their dark uniforms, so out of place in such an elegant venue. They've been waiting for you in our presidential room. Of course, Frey thought to herself. Beside her, Jasper couldn't help a quick check of his watch, confirming the time. He met Frey's eyes with a twitch of his brow, just another one of Julian's tactics, putting them in their place before they'd even stepped foot into a room. The hostess watched the silent exchange between the two of them. She cleared her throat lightly. <clears throat> if you'll follow me? Without waiting for an answer, though Frey supposed she didn't expect one, the young hostess stepped into the restaurant, Jasper directly in her toe. Frey followed silently behind, glancing at the spread of tables laden with pure white tablecloths, fine silver utensils, and crystal wine glasses. The restaurant itself was a wide open space, almost cavernous except for the surrounding high glass windows through which patrons could view the rolling hills of the winery. The woman continued to the far end of the restaurant, striding up to the set of closed doors, these ones made out of the same cedar wood as the barrels on display throughout the venue. Standing guard was one of their own in similar uniform to Frey and Jasper, a stern, middle-aged man by the name of Gary, if Frey recalled his name correctly. The AFO guard nodded at them both, a silent, respectful greeting, as the hostess knocked gently on the wooden door before pushing it slowly open. She then stood to the side, allowing Frey and Jasper to enter. The presidential room proved to be a private dining room that lived up to its title. The room was both modern and luxurious, with hardwood floors so well polished that the wood gleamed and matched the exposed beams crisscrossed along the high white ceiling. The room was surrounded by white walls and cellar windows standing floor to ceiling high, showcasing the expansive landscaped grounds. In the centre of the room was a large rectangular table, dressed with white tablecloth that matched those Frey had seen in the main restaurant. The silverware on the table gleamed in the sunlight streaming through the glass. At the head of the table, seated like a king on a dark red leather chair with gold studding, sat Julian, who didn't so much as glance in their direction as Frey and Jasper entered the room. 
Instead, Frey watched curiously as Julian demonstrated his position in their little hierarchy by delicately slicing into a dry-aged steak. Frey looked Julian over, unable to help but notice the paleness of his clear Asian skin and the smudge of purple beneath his eyes. Besides those details, Julian looked the same as ever to her. With his straight blue-black hair neatly cut and his form adorned in a classic suit, on Julian's left sat Finn, one she knew to be the bane of Jasper's existence, and for a while her own. Finn was probably the closest she'd ever come to having a brother before her bond with Jasper, before Panda had gone. Finn had been found at the same time that Frey had. He'd come from the same village, the same orphanage as Freya, and Julian had taken him under his wing also. Similar in age, Finn had attended boarding school with Frey and received the same education and training opportunities. But where Frey had gravitated towards science and security, Finn had edged towards something darker. It was no secret that Julian had placed Finn as his third in command, a position that trained him for the potential leadership of the Armed Forces Organization, a role in which Finn played as a politician. He sat through board meetings, voted on bills, helped coordinate and execute Julian's orders. But Frey also guessed at the secrecy within Finn and Julian's relationship. Julian trusted Finn to take care of his best interests. She knew that Finn was always willing to do what others would likely balk from, whatever Julian needed and wanted. As she met her brother's blue eyes across the room, she clocked the sneer in his expression. There was certainly no love lost between them, no particular loyalty beyond the structure of the AFO. If Julian suddenly ordered Finn to kill her, Frey had no doubt that he probably would. He'd do the same to Jasper too. At Julian's right hand sat Echo, who smiled back at Frey with quiet politeness. Echo was a highly trained, intelligent asset to Julian, with a calm, subdued personality. Frey had only seen Echo flare up once, and that had been at Finn, when he had accosted her in the office amidst a temper tantrum upon learning that Echo had been granted the title of Julian's second-in-command. It was Echo, with her calm, collected authority, that Julian was training to take over directly from him. Echo, whom he trusted to work in the absolute best interests of the armed forces organization upon his retirement or demise. Frey knew it was Julian's hope that it would be Echo who took the reins of the organization and that Finn would support the woman by taking care of the nastier necessities. To protect Echo from the worst of the responsibilities that came with the job, how Julian thought that was ever going to work, that Finn would be able to put his ambitions aside to work as a team with Echo, Frey would never understand. Frey and Jasper approached the table in unison, halting at the foot, under Finn's steely gaze and Echo's soft smile. Though there were two free leather chairs, they both refrained from sitting until an invitation was extended. Once Jasper spoke, Frey was doubtful they'd ever get one. After a moment, Julian raised his eyeline and stared at Frey and Jasper, staring them both down as he took a small sip of the blood-red wine from his crystal glass. When he'd placed it back onto the table, Finn broke the silence between them all. So nice to see you both, he said, sounding not actually pleased in the least. 
Jasper puffed out his chest, avoided eye contact with Finn, and nodded warmingly instead to Echo. Finny? Echo? Silence ensued again as Julian reached for the napkin upon his lap, dabbing delicately with the white linen at the corner of his mouth before placing the square of fabric to the side. Thank you, Frey, Jasper, for coming in. Considering your request to meet in person, I take it you have good news. Despite the sense of foreboding amongst them, Frey had to bite back a chuckle as she said with all seriousness, Jasper has a candidate. Beside her, Jasper gave Frey a sideways glance as if to say, fuck you. That is good news, given how dire the situation. Finn replied, his voice dripping with sarcasm. Although I gather... Julian continued, based also on your request for a face-to-face consultation. This news comes with a complication? Jasper shot Frey another look that she refused to acknowledge, sending him a clear message that he was on his own. Julian narrowed his eyes in expectation. Jasper squared his shoulders and straightened up, taking full advantage of his height. We would like you to consider the possibility of bringing Wyatt back as a wildcard for the circuit's second round. Your wildcard privileges were established in the game to bring back successful pilots, Julian shot out without missing a beat. It's a publicity stunt to keep the favour of the masses. Frey felt Jasper tense beside her. The soldier had never been a fan of Julian's, nor Julian of Jasper. Julian tolerated Jasper because of his enhancements. To Julian, Jasper was an asset, a soldier in the service of the AFO, and a human host of a few million dollars worth of tech. Nothing more. Frey had no doubt that should his usefulness run out, so would Julian's tolerance, a fact that Jasper was in no denial of. Given what's coming to light, I believe Wyatt's success is imminent, Jasper stated, refusing to rise to the challenge in Julian's voice. Across the table, Finn didn't try and hide the amusement that lit up his face. With respect to Julian, Finn said, ignoring Jasper entirely, it's clear that after being embedded for so long that Jasper... As Julian held up a hand to silence Finn's tirade, Frey held in a grin. Like the lapdog that he was, Finn quietened. Julian eyed Jasper with mild interest. What exactly is it that's come to light? He managed to hack Frey's systems. True emotion bled across Julian's face as his surprise at Jasper's words took him unaware. From beside Julian, Echo let out a little noise, her eyes bright with interest. Frey watched Finn with relish as he seethed at Jasper. Julian let a moment pass, digesting Jasper's words before he responded. Did he find anything that might cause alarm? Now that the ice was officially broken, Frey interjected. There was nothing to find, she said simply, fully aware of Jasper's eyes boring into the side of her face. He piggybacked my live feed and used it to send a message. Julian's eyebrows raised a fraction. Impressive. What was the message? That he would like to return to the circuit games, Jasper practically growled. Julian leant back in his chair, considering the harshness of Jasper's tone. Frey knew it would have to be a mistake on Jasper's part. Unfortunately, Jasper, due to the nature of his operation, without the favor of the crowd, I'm afraid it would be difficult for him to navigate the social dynamics. 
Excuses, Freya's mind practically screamed as she silently implored the tense body of Jasper beside her and her own to keep it cool. Julian was going to make them beg. Julian continued, especially considering the events of the first round. Yes, Finn agreed with Julian. I believe the scores were well below average, were they not? Finn's words hung in the air, causing Jasper to visibly bristle. Though he managed to keep his mouth shut, Frey wanted to punch the blonde bastard. Yes, they were, Jasper agreed reluctantly, struggling to maintain his temper. However, Tempest's radical interjection was an unforeseen complication in the round of testing and an oversight on our part. At that, Finn let out a small snort. Without her intervention, Jasper continued, I am sure that Wyatt would have dominated the round and progressed to the next level, with the favour of the crowd. Julian was quiet as he mulled over Jasper's declaration. Frey could see his mind ticking over, analysing the risks, pros and cons. Jasper nudged him along. Look, his scores and our position mean that at this stage, Wyatt is our best candidate. Julian picked up his wine glass, holding it gracefully by the stem and swirling the liquid gently. He sipped and replaced the glass on the table. An oversight on your part. Let's illuminate that statement, shall we? He gestured to Echo, who wordlessly handed him a translucent tablet from her lap. His fingertip pressed against the glass, causing the security system to awake with vibrant green light and open the device to his touch. Julian navigated the screen until he pulled up the desired file and handed the tablet back to Echo. Oversights can crumble empires. The last oversight this organization suffered cost us dearly. Finally, Julian raised a thin finger and flicked it towards the two empty red leather chairs partially tucked into the table, indicating that Jasper and herself had earned the right to take a seat. Jasper took a small step in Echo's direction, but Frey, who was closest to Echo, bypassed him to take the seat next to Julian's second. Jasper stomped over the remaining seat by Finn. Looking like he wanted to break something, Finn didn't look too happy about the seating arrangements either. Once they were both seated, Julian gave Echo a small nod and she placed the tablet on the table in front of her, before dragging a finger precisely across the screen, activating a holographic projection. The digital glow from the device spread colour throughout the room, and Frey watched as Echo manipulated the projected file with her hands, swiping through data imagery. 2010, March 3rd, Echo began in soft yet authoritative tones. Seven casualties at the hands of an invasion by enemy forces, known to the general public as the militia. As Echo spoke, the projection rotated through the seven identification profiles of the fallen AFO soldiers. And though Frey knew what was coming, she couldn't stop herself from staring. At the appearance of Panda, the last of the seven, his eyes smizing attractively even in his identification photo. Frey felt her breath involuntarily hitch in her throat. She averted her gaze. Echo continued. Five dead. $2.5 billion of assets lost. Julian leant forward on the table. Jasper, tell me. If I allow you to reinstate your fallen champion, 
Will it be the oversight that destroys the five years of shared sacrifice we've contributed to this operation? To Jasper's credit, the soldier didn't hesitate, instead answering Julian clearly and honestly. No, sir. I believe this action will secure everything we've worked for. He won't fail. Not this time. Finn flung out a hand and an aristocratic gesture of dismissal. Julian, reinstating this boy would be a mistake. He countered Jasper. His tone dropped and Frey thought she could hear the tiniest taint of pleading in the smirking blonde's voice. Let me join them undercover and I'll secure a more suitable candidate. To Frey's horror for a moment, Julian looked as if he were half considering Finn's proposal. Then that moment passed. Thank you, Finn. He flashed his almost black eyes in Frey's direction. Frey, tell me, what are your thoughts? Julian's easy dismissal visibly rattled Finn, and Frey watched as his already opulent parlor paled further. Beside him, Jasper unleashed a silent snicker that went unnoticed by Julian. Frey met Julian's eyes. I believe Wyatt to be the most viable option. Julian nodded. Then I'll allow his reinstatement. I expect you to deliver positive results at the conclusion of the second round. Julian turned his attention to Echo and gestured outwards, away from the table. Frey let out a breath she hadn't known she was holding. Across the table, Jasper's body untensed and Finn averted his gaze. Echo excused herself from the seat and retrieved two metal cases from the corner of the room, returning to hand one of each to Jasper and herself. Thank you, Echo. Frey murmured as she accepted the case from the soft-spoken beauty. As Echo offered another of her polite smiles, Frey was struck by her almond green eyes, a contrast to her porcelain skin tone and straight black hair, a gift from her half-Chinese heritage. As Jasper gave the case a little shake, Julian said, Thank you, Jasper. That will be all. He glanced briefly at Echo and Finn. If you two would be so kind, I'd like the room. Echo smoothed her suit skirt and calmly followed Jasper back out into the main restaurant. Finn rose from his chair and threw a scowl in Frey's direction before marching out of the private dining room. No, certainly no love lost there. All things considered, Jasper felt the meeting with Julian had gone rather well. Yes, the man had throttled him with the pissing contest he'd passed around the table. But he hadn't been the only one at Julian's mercy. And after all he'd been through, all he still had to look forward to, a little power play with nothing that he couldn't handle. Jasper allowed himself a luxurious lean against the white wall of the restaurant closest to the door that Finn now stormed out of. The man was so clearly peeved about the bitch slap Julian had just served him that Jasper could practically see the steam blowing out of each of Finn's orifices. Not that he wanted to think too closely about that. Jasper snickered to himself. In the end, he knew that he'd have his way with Wyatt's return, and frankly, this whole idea was almost worth it just to see Finn get put in his place. The last to exit the presidential room, Echo glided in Jasper's direction and came to stand patiently close by as Julian conducted his private chat with Frey. She looked unaffected by the exile, placid even, as if sensing Jasper's eyes on her. She turned and offered him a warm smile, and Jasper enjoyed how Echo's face brightened with the action, turning her from professional cardboard into a beauty queen, though Echo would never know it, and perhaps she didn't care enough to know it. 
Beside Echo, Finn paced back and forth, his blue eyes fuming and gaze darting around with impatience. Jasper knew that though it was Finn who spent the most time with Julian, he'd been given the title of third and worked in a mostly cushy corporate job. Finn was desperately jealous of Frey and her bond with their father. Frey and Julian had something unique that bound the two of them together. Perhaps it was the level of respect that Julian offered Frey in a way he offered no other. Perhaps it was the man's steadfast trust in her, in her training, intellect, and loyalty. Whatever it was, it was certainly a grace that Julian had never quite extended to Finn. And for good reason, Jasper thought to himself. Back in the training days, Thin had been a sneaky thorn in Jasper's side, underhanded and cutthroat, and Thin had shown that he would never have the heart of a team player, could never be a true soldier. Jasper honestly believed that Thin would slit his own mother's throat if it meant getting what he wanted, and perhaps Finn's actual problem was that he'd never had a mother in the first place. He never learned compassion or empathy, but that was no problem of Jasper's. Thin was perfectly molded to be a hitman, an assassin, and though Finn was constantly flexing from his position as Julian's third, not laughing at every move his team made from his corporate boardroom chair back at the AFO headquarters, Finn reeked of desperation to be out in the field, stretching his knives, making things happen. Finn yearned for the same freedoms and respect as Frey, but with Finn's personality as it was, Jasper wasn't sure that Finn would ever be granted them. As Finn circled a little too close for Jasper's liking, he offered the man a chauvinistic grin, How's desk life, Finny? Finn turned a hate-filled gaze towards him. Bite me, Jasper. The man stopped his pacing and strode out towards the entrance of the winery, out of Jasper's line of sight. Echo's lips quirked in amusement at Jasper's taunting. Still poking the bear, Jasper? Jasper simply laughed. Echo had no particular love for dear Finny either, being that the two were in direct competition with each other for Julian's chain of command. Though Echo was so tightly in control of herself, he secretly hoped that one day she would completely lose her shit at one of Finn's antics and plant a bomb in his car or something. He offered Echo a cheeky wink, a secret cheers to Finn's future demise, which Echo received with a nod, a glimmer shining in her green eyes. She then turned on a heel and followed Finn's path out towards the entrance. As she went, Jesper thought he heard her mutter, Some things never change. Fergus sat at the back of the van with Isaiah as he played Tetris with the many pieces of broken drone in his lap. A medial, frustrating task for most, but for Fergus, he wouldn't have it any other way. He welcomed the Queensland sunshine as it infiltrated through the front windscreen and relished in the cool air conditioning that the vehicle was built to provide even with the engine cut off. Fergus was happy in his makeshift den, rising to the challenge of the impossible, or impossible for most. Moving at Fergus's side caught his eye and he turned to see Isaiah check his military standard black wristwatch clocking the time. The warrior looked back at Fergus and glanced down at the pile of circuitry. You're still working on that? Yes, Fergus was still working on that. He'd been struggling with this section of the drone's body for some time. The screwdriver in his hand was little bigger than a jeweler's and still not quite a fit for the device. Yes, Isaiah, I am. He twitched the screwdriver again only for his view of the drone to become partially obscured by Isaiah's large ebony hand, holding up an even tinier tool. Fergus dropped his own screwdriver into the tea towel on his lap and armed himself with the petite tool Isaiah handed over. He pushed it gently into the gap in the device. It was a perfect fit. 
Fergus glanced back up at Isaiah, who blinked at him in expectation. Slowly, Fergus realized Isaiah was waiting for something like recognition, validation. He considered the man a moment, slightly surprised. Thank you. Very kind. Isaiah nodded in response. With the help of a new tool, Fergus managed to navigate his way into the heart of the drone where a tiny cased box sat. He used the tool to release the lid of a box, exposing a small computer chip that Fergus quickly ejected. He held the chip up into a clearer line of sight, inspecting it through the magnified lens of his glasses trying to grasp its make and model. Over his shoulder, Isaiah silently watched on. Well, it's very strange, Fergus said aloud. Not a standard issue. Fergus didn't recognize the chip as one of Julian's, a fact he didn't mention to Isaiah, a fact he couldn't bring himself to say until he was sure. Let's see where your feed goes, little one. Fergus pulled up his laptop, which was resting on a seat nearby, across to him. He slipped the microchip into its reader. A moment passed as the chip registered, allowing the laptop to recognize the technology. As a window opened and data started spilling across the screen, Fergus felt icy fear flood down his spine. Inside the presidential room, Julian and Frey faced each other mutely, each studying the other with careful eyes. Beyond Julian's calm, cool demeanor, Frey noticed new lines etched lightly into the flesh of his face. The man was stressed. Of that there was no doubt. It was all due to her and her team? Frey's choice of Wyatt as the last creator's champion and his inevitable loss against Tempest? It had been more than six months since the last time each had seen the other in person, Julian believing it unwise to risk meeting unnecessarily, lest it jeopardize the covertness of the operation. Frey sat a little further forward on her chair and tried to read Julian's expression to little avail. Julian was blank. The way a fresh-laid slab of grey concrete was blank, and if anything, he looked bemused, arrogant. His mask was infallible. That's where she'd earned her own form. Julian swept a gracious hand across the table. Would you like a drink? Something to eat? Frey shook her head, keen to move past the display of magnanimousness. Thank you, but no, I'm fine. Julian's dark eyes glittered as he watched her, his gaze a thorough scan. Frey's expression remained one of blank pleasantness. He placed his napkin back in his lap, picked up his silverware and resumed consuming his meal. Are his biohacks functioning at capacity? His nanites stable? Frey knew instantly who Julian meant, though her heart lurched at the mention, at the way he spoke about Jasper, like he was less than human. There was only one of them now. Frey wasn't going to let Julian play his game anymore. She was going to cut through the crap. Jasper's fine. You didn't ask me to stay behind and talk about resurrection protocol. Not solely, Julian said, his face showing a small, rare trace of empathy. We all felt his loss, Frey. Panda. Her heart lurched again, some more than others. Frey whispered the words, her core wounded by Julian's own. I know what he meant to you. Frey glanced up quickly. This was the first time Julian had truly acknowledged that Panda's loss was more than that of a soldier to her, more than a weapon of the armed forces organization. I want to make sure you're prepared for what comes next.
Julian met Frey's look and held it, the shared moment heavy with insinuation. Oh, Frey knew. She knew that Julian wanted her to do everything within her power to get Wyatt over the line, to make him the circuit champion. And to do that, he was asking her for something she was sure was impossible. I know where this goes, she said quietly. Julian extended his hands across the table, reaching for her. Frey hesitated, but she knew in her gut Julian was right. Frey needed to move forward to make this all worth it, to make Panda's life worth it, and she couldn't do that whilst she was still wrapped up in the chains of her memories with him. Whilst the cold glint of his soul rubbed against her breast each time she took a breath. Frey clasped the links wrapped around her neck and lifted Panda's melted dog tags out from under her shirt and over her head. She rose a little from her chair to hand the tags to Julian's waiting grasp. Then she settled back into her seat, a feeling of sick heaviness in her gut. Armor your heart and sharpen your wit, Julian offered her by way of consultation. You'll wait for my word? Of course, Frey replied. Julian smiled at Frey, one that looked to be real, one she had not seen since she was a child, delivering up her leisure experiments like little trophies for his appraisal. The paternal gesture warmed her and caused her blood to thumb just a little. Julian was not perfect, but she was bonded to him in a way that she never hoped would break another member of her self-made family, and at least in Julian's cause, he had chosen her. Freya reached out and plucked a green bean from Julian's plate, popping it into her mouth playfully, a young girl again under his careful gaze. She felt that tense, sick feeling unclench, just a fraction. From behind her, the large door to the private dining room swung open with such force it hit the neighboring wall. Julian shot a look of annoyance in the direction of the disruptor as Frey turned too, she came face to face with a breathless Fergus and Isaiah, Jasper barely a step behind them. Something was wrong. I'm sorry to barge in, Fergus panted. It, it appears we have a problem. He hurried over to the table, approaching Julian without his regular awkward etiquette, and dumped the broken drone right on the tablecloth behind Julian's plate. It appears that Lucian has been running his own surveillance on us. Surveillance that, according to the network of, of drones, is also currently locked on Wyatt. For a fraction of a second, the shock graced Julian's carefully controlled face. He reined the emotion in quickly. Go pick him up, immediately. Frey launched herself from her seat and joined her team as they rushed back towards the van together. Lucian was a perfect example of the worst traits of a human being stitched together to create an evil, fully functioning Frankenstein humanoid. He was intelligent, ruthless, ambitious, all the ingredients of a sociopath without an ounce of conscience. Lucian had demonstrated time and time again that he had zero ability to feel guilt, remorse, light consideration of human value. If he was tracking Wyatt, Frey couldn't stop the chill that leaked into her spine, or the urgent need that rushed through her to find Wyatt. Her team hastened out of the winery's exit and piled into the van. Fergus took the driver's side, and the tires of the van shrieked and spun out of the car park and raced down the drive, 
pulling onto the open road in such a rush it reminded Frey of Fast and Furious movies. As they settled into the journey, Frey felt herself bubble with anxiety, preparing herself for the worst. She moved herself closer to Isaiah, who remained stoic in the back of the vehicle, quiet as she activated her gloves. The bright blue light nestled amongst the leather provided little comfort. It would be just like Lucian to snatch Wyatt right out from under their noses if he felt that he was at risk of losing his bid. If he thought that there was any chance that the interface bid could truly prevail over his own, Lucian would have no qualms about making Wyatt disappear for good. The van was descending the mountain, navigating a particularly winding turn when Jasper, seated passenger side, was forced to poise himself against the dash to remain upright. Despite the seriousness of the situation, Frey couldn't help the little snigger that escaped her mouth. She was cut short as Jasper rounded on her. Thanks for having my back. The sarcasm in his voice dripped thickly. You seem to have it under control, Frey answered, doing her best to sound nonchalant. She knew Jasper was trying to pick a fight with her to calm his nerves, curb his anxiety. You're a real team player, you know that? You shot back. Frey was a little surprised at the level of venom in his voice. The van made another unnerving turn, now speeding in its descent. Front ended, Fergus was focused and collected. She had no doubt in his ability to deliver them to Wyatt safely. Frey tapped at the space between her breasts, reaching for Panda's tags out of habit but found herself wanting. Her stomach pulminated as the realization of what she'd just given up dawned on her. She had let him go. She had given him to Julian. He had made sure that this time she was all in. Frey directed her attention back to Jasper. Get your head in the game, would you? Jasper ignored her and instead focused on the laptop on his knees, loading up a tracking program to begin their own hunt of Wyatt. Frey sucked in a deep breath. They would find him. The surface of the boardroom table was cold, even through the fabric of Thea's expensive black trousers. She sat upon the table's surface, stretching her long legs out and admiring the leather of her mid-heeled boots as she counted the rings echoing through the cell phone pressed against her ear, waiting for Lucian to pick up. She'd been supposed to meet him in the boardroom at the close of business that day. Together in their dark alliance, they had laid multiple traps for the interface bid, hoping to annihilate it absolutely from the running. Step one, Thea was to offer Wyatt a position within Crown Tech. Should he have accepted, it would have removed Wyatt from the possibility of re-entering the circuit games. Step two, well, it would be Lucian's turn to step in. Thea wasn't privy to any details, yet, and she wasn't sure she entirely wanted to know. Despite Lucian's toxic personality, Thea knew that in this case, he could be trusted to get the job done. He would remove Wyatt as a threat to the bidding competition, essentially disabling the interface bid altogether. But at what cost? She could not say. Thea was aware that Julian, Echo and Finn had left headquarters hours earlier to meet with Frey and Jasper. She'd guessed that Frey had requested the meeting to ask for Julian's permission to reinstate Wyatt. Lucian and Thea needed to make their next move now, before Julian came back, before he declared his decision to the board. But that motherfucker Lucian was suddenly nowhere to be seen. 
So here Thea was, chasing after him like a bitch to its master, a position she'd never wanted to be in again. On the eighth ring, Lucian picked up. He rejected the offer, Thea said bluntly, not even waiting for a hello from Lucian's end of the line. A for effort, Thea, Lucian replied snidely through the microphone. I'll handle it from here. The reply was as she'd expected it, laced with patronizing condensation. But Thea pushed her emotions to the side. Instead, she pushed Lucian. When you say handle it, he paused. Do you really want to know the answer to that question? Probably not, Thea took a breath. There was nothing left to say. She ended the call. Wyatt could smell the Chinese takeout steaming up from the gaps in the plastic bag as he carried it down the quiet suburban street on his way home. It was twilight. The sun had just dipped beneath the cityscape in the distance, plunging his world into an ashy gray. The shift in light had allowed the heat to die off a little, but it did nothing for the humidity and Wyatt still found himself sweating like a pig through his long-sleeved button-up work shirt. After the day he'd had, his run-in with Greg and then Thea, Wyatt just wanted to go home and eat noodles. Once he got his brain some food and his stomach agreed to shut the hell up, he was going to think, seriously think, and form a new plan to find them. The soft padding of footsteps behind Wyatt caused him to reflexively glance over his shoulder. Yep, the young, plain-faced woman was still there, a little closer now than a few minutes ago. She had been walking in the same direction as him since Wyatt had left the takeaway restaurant, lagging 50 or so meters behind, keeping her distance. He'd thought maybe the woman was worried why it was a psycho or a sleaze, that maybe he was considering kidnapping her to chop her up or, worse, hit on her. That's how women thought when they were alone in the dark, wasn't it? But as the minutes had passed, she'd inched closer. In fact, a little closer each time when he looked. Maybe she was shy. Maybe she was working up the nerve to talk to him. Wyatt's eyes hovered over her for more seconds and was probably polite taking in her black jacket, open with her hands plunged into her pockets. Strange in this heat. Wyatt didn't know how the woman could stand it. He turned his gaze back to the street before him, but slowed his pace, allowing her to come a little closer, if she wanted to. Suddenly a shrill screech of rubber and tar shredded through the evening, and to Wyatt's shock a large black fan rounded the corner closest to him. The vehicle hurtled towards Wyatt. His recognition was instant. Disbelief juxtaposed with the black metal vision he was watching sped ever closer and Wyatt was sure he recognized Fergus in the driver's seat. A rough hand on Wyatt's shoulder sent Wyatt in a 180 spin and he came unexpectedly face to face with the woman. Her free hand reached out of her jacket pocket and Wyatt froze as he saw the glint of metal. A small blade emerging from the fabric as if in slow motion the van reached Wyatt, bouncing up onto the curb aggressively, forcing the woman away from him. The brunette jumped back in fear, narrowly avoiding being crushed by the bonnet of the van. She flashed wide a seething look, took off up the street, plunging into a neighbor's yard and disappearing. White had barely managed a breath when he felt another set of hands on him. He looked down to see Isaiah's strong fingers grasping onto his shoulders. His face instantly broke into a smile, which faltered as he noticed the black hood clasping one of Isaiah's large hands. Wait! Wyatt shouted. You, you, you don't need to, but Isaiah had already hooked the hood over Wyatt's head plunging him into darkness. He felt himself shepherded into the back of the van, heard the light rattle of the metal as the door slid closed and locked behind him, and inside the vehicle was silence. 
No one said a word. Why, I wasn't sure how much time had passed. Perhaps an hour, perhaps two. And he had no ability to garner a sense of direction. The van eventually pulled to a gentle stop, and Wyatt was ushered blindly from the vehicle and into... somewhere. He let his senses do the talking. Wyatt was sure he could smell the musty scent of dust, but not too much. Then he could feel the hard pad and echo of concrete beneath his feet. Perhaps another warehouse? The hands on him led Wyatt through the building, turning him at different times, confusing him. Eventually they brought him to a stop, pushing him down into a chair. The black hood lifted from Wyatt's eyes and his vision was filled by the familiar lion-like face of Isaiah who looked down at him warmly and stepped back, revealing a smirking Jasper and a delighted Fergus flanking his sides. A little away from them, closest to the room's exit, stood Frey, her steel gray eyes piercing his. Wyatt glanced around at all of them. Really? Is this completely necessary? He exclaimed, letting familiarity enter his voice. I basically begged to come back here. I think you could have done without revisiting the whole kidnapping routine. Jesper quirked an eyebrow at him, the smirk still present despite Wyatt's mouthing off. Yeah, but where's the fun in that? Unable to subdue the grin that threatened to take over his face, Wyatt let it loose and surprisingly Jesper grinned right back. He searched the room again, his gaze heading back to Frey, but this time she averted her eyes, fiddling with her gloves instead. His grin faltered at her display. A sharp slap on the cheek brought Wyatt's focus back to Jasper, and Wyatt fought to swallow his feeling of unease at Frey's rejection. Instead, he asked Jasper, Does this mean that... No, Jasper interjected. We brought you all the way out here to tell you to piss off. Jasper slapped him playfully again before stepping back to give Wyatt some space. What do you think? His sight wandered over to Frey again, willing her to look at him, willing her to lift those silver eyes to his as if sensing the weight of his stare. Frey finally granted Wyatt his wish. She lifted her gaze again, glaring at him coldly before exiting the room without a backwards glance. Fergus broke the lingering heaviness in the air, clearing his throat awkwardly. Shall we get to work? Wyatt pushed that last look from Frey out of his mind, inexplicably cold as an iceberg crushing his soul, tainted with her despise, as if he had stolen something from her. But Wyatt had never been afraid of ice. He met the eyes of Jasper, Fergus, and Isaiah, who all watched him expectantly, and Wyatt nodded freely, plunging ahead into the storm. Here's a day we all have come to dread And now it's here you pray for death Or something sweeter in release I watch you slowly bite like this for years We can't go down like this One more kiss before you go Tonight 
is a Red Empire production and a Sound Vision Gold Coast original production and has been written by Amy Casey, Ellie Popov, and Simon Kennedy. This series is produced by Amy Casey and Roberto Molini. Executive produced by myself, Charles Jazz Terrier, Ellie Popov, Steve Chickerel, Wade Boys, and Sherry Hamrock Rewell. It is co-produced by Alex Contis and Tom Cramsey. Editing, sound design, and music is done by Roberto Molini and Tom Cramsey. Our production partners are The Scandalous, but always effervescent organic media group. And that theme song you keep hearing belongs to my co-host, Ellie Popov. As you return to your mundane little lives, listeners, my advice to you all is to keep track of our next episode drop. Future information about the series can be found at www.redempireproductions.com. And don't forget to follow and subscribe to us via whatever streaming platform you're listening to us on. Join us again. Live beyond your understanding. Mark my words, I'll find the light.